you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Hey, this is Dan Hansis alongside Chris Wessling. Hey, Dan. Mark Sessler and the boss, Greg Rosenthal. We're the Around the NFL podcast. Check us out three times a week as we discuss the latest NFL news as it happens. Always, of course, with a touch of mirth. Subscribe at NFL.com slash podcasts, iTunes, and Stitcher. Fantasy Freaks and Geeks, what's up? You're listening to the NFL Fantasy Live podcast on a beautiful Tuesday morning. James Coe here with uh, my guys. We got the franchise, Matt Franciscovich rocking the very thick beard, looking good. What's up, pal? What's up, James Coe? Thank you. Uh, the whiz kid from Wisconsin, Alex Gilhar. What's up? Uh, it's hot in oh Los Angeles. Oh, my gosh. It is it's crazy. It's and I hate complaining about any sort of weather in LA, but it has been scorching the last couple of days. I played soccer on Sunday and uh, my league. There's times like the earliest game is 9:30, and we'd had a bunch of 9:30 games in a row, so we got saddled with the 12:45 start time on Sunday. And at halftime, we were sitting in what little shade there was, and we could actually see the heat coming up off the field, like in a desert shot in a movie. You know, when you see the heat like drifting upwards off the ground. That's what we were playing on. You could actually feel the heat like through the bo- soles of your cleats too. People uh, were like, "This is insane." That's not fun. No. No. Uh, MG, my guy, Mark Grant, what's up? Uh, did, did you purposely wait till the end to? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I love that people on Twitter were chiming in with you two about it. Uh, so I mean, I'm sure for, for those of you who listen to the what's show, up? you you know, you what's up, know pal? What How's it going? Um, <laughs> You know, two weeks, two weeks ago on this show, you came on here and you crowned the Warriors champion, and I told you, not so fast. Now all I know is I'm putting a whole lot of Twitter mutes on right now for things like Believe Land. Oh and, uh, my God! Uh, look, I, first of all, for where, no, honest, where 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 does this rank in terms of like just straight straight gut punches? Yeah, man. I mean, this was like. You know the worst. I, I think this isn't as bad. It's up there. It's it's a top three for me. Um, I think uh, number one has to be SC losing to Texas in the Rose Bowl. That one was crushing too. To Vince Young, right? Uh, that one hurt. That one out also just like this one out of nowhere. That one hurt. The other one that I think that to me just tops this one. Okay is um, the A's losing to the Reds in 1990 in the World Series. The, the A's, okay. the Oakland A's were far and away the best team in Major League Baseball all year long. They were just coming off a World Series. They had beaten the Giants in 1989. Okay. It was their third straight World Series, and this one, look, this one looked like the most dominant team they had had. And they go to the World Series, and they get swept by the likes of Eric Davis, Chris Sabo, Billy Hatcher. Um, that, that one... That one hurt, I think, more than this one. But this one, this is the top three. Um, it's the top three. Which one was? Which one is worse for their respective fan bases? All right, is it this for the Warriors? All right, twenty sixteen, up three one, 
the the prohibitive favorites losing to the Cavs or the perfect season by the Patriots ruined by the uh, by the, the the Giants. Which one's worse for their respective fan base? Oh, I think it's the I think it's the the perfect season. I think it's got to be the perfect season. Yeah, I mean, you think so? Yeah, because one one you had perfection in your grasp, and I mean it was really just a it was a fluke play. I mean it was the David Tyree helmet catch that beat you, basically. <laughs> I mean for the Warriors, it, it, did he ever did he ever catch a ball after that? Nope, that was his last. <laughs> no, it was not. Was I mean, it really? Yeah, if you're gonna go out though, that's one hell of a way to go out. <laughs> I will say for the Warriors, I mean what makes it feel better is that you had you have an all time great in LeBron playing at an all-time great level. I mean, Did you that's see just... his numbers for the finals? Crazy. It was like 30 points, uh, like nine rebounds, 11 assists. And, Marcus, I know I don't want to pour salt on the wound, but the block, the block he made, the block that was on oh! ridiculous. That's, that's an, I had to rewind that. That's an all-time NBA play. And yeah. so, you know, I, afterwards, one of my close friends who's not a Warriors fan texted me and just said, hey, he's like, I would normally troll you. He's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, you just got beat by an all-time great, man. He's like, that's true. So, that's true. So, yeah. yeah. The, the, it's the, a little bit of recency bias, obviously. It, it also hurt that, I mean, we, we should get on to actual football here quickly, but, like, they lost Bogut to injury for the finals and stuff, so that didn't help, and uh, Iggy Draymond was got, hurt. Draymond got Draymond suspended for the game. got himself suspended. Yeah. So, it was, a, it, was, it was a good series, and sorry, it was, sorry for the loss, Marcus, but. Yeah. They'll, they'll be back in that mix again next they'll be, year. They'll be fine. By the way, what a game. It was an amazing game. Seven. What a game. Finally, because so the rest of the games were blowouts. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which I'm sure, I'm sure I would have enjoyed it a whole lot more if I didn't have a rooting interest. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't – I was pacing my apartment. I didn't sit down. If I if I was just, you know, a fan of neither of those teams, I'm sure I would have enjoyed it a whole lot more. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's one of the top five games uh, in NBA history. I really, uh, you got to think that because it's Game Seven of an NBA Finals. You've got LeBron James, one of the, you know, again, one of the top ten players of all time. Steph Curry, who right now today is one of the top two or three players in the NBA, and um, and man, it was just, it was nerve wracking to watch. It was. My heart was palpitating in the fourth quarter. I, <laughs> I've got no rooting interest whatsoever, and I'm like, oh my god, this is good. Yeah. Um. All right, let's get to let's get to real football here, man. Um. Football. So we're gonna be talking about ten stats. I guess more, actually, a lot more stats that won't be repeated in 2016. Well, yeah, Fab's whipped up a column with yeah, 10 yeah. stats. We're going to talk about it, yep, and then we're yep. each going to offer up our own and uh, argue for or against those. There you go. Uh, but let's get to top headlines. Let's do it. The camera highlights in the world of sports. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Whistles go. Woo! I like turtles. We continue to follow breaking news. Don't watch the news because I'm a kid. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife. All right, we'll start in Buffalo. Sammy Watkins says he will be available, or he thinks he will, quote, definitely be available for training camp. This is kind of on the heels of, of Watkins saying earlier he wasn't sure what his timetable would be. Uh, what do we make of the news franchise? Uh, I would, like, as a as a fantasy guy, I, I would rather have Watkins just sit for training camp, just rest. Is that for, right? Just rest, well, maybe not the whole time, but. Give it as long of a time period as you can to heal, because if you come back too soon and you rush it, you're going to run into a Des Bryant situation from last year. They rushed right. him back. He wasn't 100. percent He was it's not. Gonna be, it's going to be something that lingers all season long. He uh, broke a foot, just, remember? Right. Uh, in the off season. Right. He had a screw inserted into said foot. Right. Uh, not great. Alex Gill, how are you taking it? It's it's an injury that has has dogged a lot of guys for a while. We saw it slow Julio Jones down. It kept Devontae Parker off the field for a while last year as he was coming back. And our friend downstairs uh, from the programming team and noted Bills fan Patrick Crawley was talking to Franchise and I about this yesterday, saying that he's concerned about this because while he wants Sammy back, like Franchise, he was like, just stay and rest because he's he and probably just being a you know a. A paranoid Bills fan was like, this is going to be the injury that Sammy's going to rush back from, and then it's just going to be with him all season. Yeah. Like, he'll have his great games, but then it's going to be like, every Thursday, Sammy Watkins is questionable with a foot injury. Is he going to play? <laughs> is he not? So, I mean, if if he feels good enough to go and he's cleared, uh, then I, I'll be excited to see him out there and hope he hope he comes back strong. But, man, it, it's got to still leave you a little concerned in, if, because of that paranoid Bills fan theory there. Let's go to Indianapolis. Chuck Pagano says he has got high expectations for backup running back Josh Ferguson. Undrafted uh, out of Illinois. They didn't draft a running back despite having one of the oldest running backs 
in the league as a starter in a year where running back was super deep. Super deep running back class this year. And the Colts did not address that need. Is it because they really like the development of Josh Ferguson? Marcus. Sure. It's hard. I mean, that's that's hard. that's what they're going to tell everybody. I, I mean, <clears throat> and I'm not I'm not discounting what Josh Ferguson can bring. I mean, obviously, they're not expecting him to jump in right now and be a guy who gets you know 15 touches a game. I mean, he's going to be the guy who spells Frank Gore when necessary. I mean, I, I think there is some truth to him being able to perform and being able to compete. Uh, you know, maybe giving them a little something. I, you know, I think if you're if you're looking at this as saying, hey, Josh Ferguson's a handcuff and he's a guy I'm going to take a flyer on late in drafts, I don't know that I would go that far. I think this is this is some of the smokescreen. Why, why not? Get. Like, I mean, Bobby. He's not, Bob, he's not Robert an every Turbin. down guy. Yeah, Robert Turbin yeah. is the other guy there behind. Right, but you wouldn't take Robert Turbin either. No, I'd rather take the upside with a guy like Josh Ferguson if I was gonna gonna take a like if I had Frank Gore and I did want to handcuff I would, him. I would think that I don't know that I'm handcuffing Frank Frank Gore with anybody on this roster. I think Josh yeah. Ferguson's a guy you watch and you see, and maybe he's a waiver wire pickup if he gets a little more run than you expect. But I think this, this is a smokescreen. Is why they need to sign Arian Foster. Ooh, that would be that would be saucy. This is why they need to do it. Hey, listen, Josh Ferguson, 5'9", about 200 pounds. Um, you, you know, he he's one of those guys that is a great change of pace guy. Yeah. Um, and, and to Marcus's point, I, I can't like, – if if Frank Gore were to go down in week four of the preseason, I mean, I guess there would be some rush to get Josh Ferguson. Not really. But not I don't, really? I don't, I don't think so. I think if, if Gore goes down and if Ferguson is that third down guy, his role will remain and they'll – plug either Turbin or Todman, Jordan Todman. I'll tell you, that, I, that they, they'd have to find a veteran at that point, yeah, right? right? They'd have to. Right. I mean, we, saw it, we saw it a lot last year where, where veterans were, were getting asked to do things where we're like, yeah, there's just no way. Tim Hightower, there's just no way he's going to do it. Uh, but Still one of my favorite stories of last year was the Tim Hightower <laughs> resurgence. But, <laughs> yeah, like Josh Ferguson is going to be a fun guy to watch during the preseason, though, because he can put up some electric ty- highlight-type plays. Yeah. Uh, we saw it at Illinois. And if they create some sort of role for him where he's Darren Sproles light in that offense, yeah. you know, with Andrew Luck and True. T.Y. Hilton and Dwayne Allen and True. stuff, he could have some some late-round deep PPR value too. What I also think you should keep in mind, not only with the Colts but with a lot of teams, is that as we go through training camp and guys get cut, guys are going to resurface on other teams. And, you point. know, there's a chance that you could get some – kind of journeyman veteran running back who gets let go somewhere else and, and ends up in Indianapolis. Not true. <clears throat> not uh, not untrue. These are all not untrue. Uh, in New York, Sterling Shepard is drawing rave reviews. Where is he going right now in drafts? Um, uh, his his value is climbing, man. I think he's going around like anywhere from round 7 to round 10 right now, depending on like if it's a super sharp draft. or oh, if it's seven, like... seven, steep price even today. Is it not? Yeah, it kind of feels that way, but um, I mean the upside. It's, Ten, I like. It's one of it's one of your upside. Ten, I love. Yeah, it is. No, no, it absolutely is. But uh, but boy, if he pushes into round six, that's a bit much. That's, that's round six much. is. I don't know if he'll get that high. No way. Mark, but uh, Mark but Mark round seven board. right now sounds sounds like that might be the draft day price. Well, let me see. I I did a uh, actually did a draft last night with the guys at uh, Die Hard Football. Okay. Uh, nice. Football diehards? Football diehards. I'm sorry. My bad. Um, but he uh, – it was a 12-team draft, and Sterling Shepard went at the end of round six. Wow. He was number 71. Now, mind you, it's a PPR league. Oh, okay. It's okay. PPR league. Oh, okay. okay. It's a PPR league with Sharps, um, 12 teams. He went at the end of round six. Wow. I had him targeted. Like, if he had somehow slipped to seven, I was going to snatch him up. He didn't last that long. Okay. Uh, PPR, I, I, I could see it because if he fills that Victor – but see, that's the thing. With Victor Cruz there still, it, there's so much uncertainty about his role and how much he's going to play. Uh, I, I, am I wrong there? No. Uh, I mean, there, we it, don't know. It still all depends on Cruz's he's, recovery. Cruz has been saying he's going to come back since two years ago. True. I mean, I, I think – I think part of the reason the Giants went out and drafted Sterling Shepard is because they weren't sold that Victor Cruz was going to be ready, at least not ready to play a significant role this year. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm 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 going into the season looking at the Giants' depth chart at receiver as Beckham and then uh, Shepard right behind him. All right, uh, Melvin Gordon closes out the offseason program on a quote high note. Uh, we don't exactly know what that means, do we? 
Um, look, I, <laughs> I know I was. Say, I've been on, I've been on record as saying that I was I was gonna jump on the Melvin Gordon bandwagon. Then the micro fracture news yeah. came out, and I had to, I had to back uh, off of that I, a little I bit. Probably would. Pal. I had to back off of that a little bit, but I'm still. I'm maybe not on the bandwagon, but you know I'm kind of taking a look at the seats and seeing it's empty and saying you know I could I could I could maybe uh, maybe jump on here. So I'm I'm not I'm not totally I'm not totally off Melvin Gordon. I still want to believe a little bit. Um, the fact that he's doing football things is encouraging. Um, because I don't I, I think he'll if he can be healthy, I think he'll be better. It's just a matter of him being healthy this year. Here's what the OC yeah. Ken Wisenhunt said. Um, over the past two weeks, I've seen some really nice cuts, some explosive runs, and hopefully that trend will continue. This was on yeah. Chargers.com. Yeah. I think the high note being referred to here is the fact that his knee, the health of his knee is in a good spot for where they're at in the preseason, and he's able to make these cuts like you're saying. Right. And then the other part of that is the mental part of Gordon understanding the playbook better after being in a system for a year. True. Like on tape last year, like he struggled because the offense offensive line didn't play well, but he looked hesitant every time he got to the line. He wasn't sure like where to go, when to make a cut. He wasn't sure to buzz it outside, go up the middle. And I think he'll have more confidence coming into this season. And if the knee is where it needs to be, I think he's going to be a great value pick at his current uh, seventh round ADP. I think his ADPs might be falling from that even. I know yeah. I haven't dove into Melvin Gordon uh, tape yet this offseason, but our uh, friend from the early NFL podcast, Greg Rosenthal, was actually pounding the table a little bit for Gordon, saying that down the stretch last year before his injury, he had started to show signs of being a more decisive runner akin to what he was in college. So right. this is all encouraging, but we'll need to see what he actually does once the pads come on and real hitting starts in late July and August. All right, let's go to Tennessee. I, I like this story. Tajay Sharp. I hope I'm saying his name right. You are. Uh, he's from UMass. So if you haven't heard of Tajay Sharp, don't don't be don't be yeah. surprised. Fifth round um, draft pick. Too, fifth so. round draft pick out of UMass. Uh, plays for Tennessee. There's reports that he's passed Doriel Green Beckham uh, on the depth chart as of today. As of today, um, he's already passed Justin Hunter, which is kind of, okay, whatever. <laughs> but Doriel Green Beckham is a very popular sleeper pick uh, going into 2016. Should we be thinking more about Tajay Sharp possibly being a better sleeper pick uh, than Doriel Green? Look, here's the bottom line. Tajay Sharp, I, in my opinion, probably won't be drafted in most drafts. Yeah. Um, I get that. But look at the athletic profile of this guy, all right? 6'2", about 200 pounds. So he's got that long, lean, wide receiver frame. Um, everyone says he's got great footwork. Again, I haven't d- dove into too much tape on Tajay Sharp. But uh, you kind of look at what role he could fill. And it's it's obviously the role we expect Doriel Green Beckham to have, right? That big wide receiver, big body wide receiver, uh, could move the chains a little bit and really play uh, with Marcus Mariota. Uh, man, he's interesting. He's really interesting. And I tell you what, I'm really excited to go uh, go look at some of his uh, game tape. Well, I I did. I mean, I I wrote his pro- profile for our Prospect of Day series and. One of the things I noted, I mean, he's got really good hands. The guy's consistent, you know, with the football, uh, catching the football. He's a very good route runner and, you know, maybe not great long speed, but quick acceleration, gets off the line quickly. And so I think he's a guy who, especially in an offense, you know, Marcus Mariota's big strength coming out of college wasn't necessarily the deep ball. It was the the under intermediate underneath routes. You've got a guy in Sharp who can run those routes effectively who can catch the football consistently so I can see how immediately he could have a a better rapport with Mariota than say Doriel Green Beckham and how he could jump into this offense I mean it's part of the reason that I I like Delaney Walker potentially as a sleeper tight end this year because I think they they have those skill sets that really cater to what the quarterback does best so uh, look I'm, I'm not really big on any Titans receiver this year, but I have kind of been lately keeping an eye on Sharp, especially as more and more of these stories come out, uh, and that's kind of a name I'm keeping in my back pocket for some of the later rounds in drafts. This, I, is, this is what Mike Malarkey said. Sorry, Wiz. Uh, he's been, quote, the most consistent receiver, and we're letting guys who have been the most consistent get more reps. I was going to say I am not buying into this too much yet. It's June. 
these guys are running routes in shorts. Like this is the time of the year. <laughs> this is the time. Legitimately, this is the time of the year where everybody looks good. Right. And what I will be interested to see is what happens again when the pads come on. Because I also think this could be just simple like coach motivation because they do this kind of crap all the time with players like DGB that haven't reached their potential. Like put them down the pecking order on the depth chart. True. Put put just a guy on the back of Justin Hunter's jersey. That True. didn't work out. Right. But they invested a second-round pick in Doyle Green Beckham, and he is the size-speed freak that they would really want to be dominant. And right. if I'm going to take a late-round shot on any of these Titans wide receivers, it's going to be the guy that's six foot five and can moss people and steamroll them, not the fifth-round draft pick out of UMass. I right. gotta see. <clears throat> I gotta see what DGB's, what kind of shape he's in. That's going to be a key too. So uh, because last year, <clears throat> uh, just eyeball test, he looked he looked a little out of shape. They keep referring, there's a good little story on ESPN about, and partially why Tajay Sharp is running ahead of him, is that DGB didn't, you know, didn't play a game all of 2014. Right. Because he got dismissed from Missouri, and yep. then he had to basically like redshirt at Oklahoma before declaring for the draft. So he's got what they refer to in Tennessee as a gap year, where he like just didn't, didn't play uh, at all. So he's still kind of getting up to speed from that, but... Along with these Tajay Sharp things, there were a lot of quotes coming out from DGB, like, yeah, I'm going to totally devote myself, like, in these times, I'm going to get into the playbook and come back. So we're going into the dark period of the NFL right now, where we have <laughs> nothing left to sift through until late July, other than all these <clears throat> silly quotes and stuff. But Do you like it? Again, I, like I said, if I'm going to take a shot on any of these guys, it's going to be the size-speed freak. All right. Uh, can I add one more? Sure. Um, so my Miami Dolphin friends have been extolling the virtues of this kid, Yakeem Grant. Uh, he was a late-round draft pick. Like his last name. Yeah, yeah, had a baby. Uh, he, he's a little guy, like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, um, but he he's from Texas Tech. He was just, in, uh, again, one of those guys, man. He just had that quickness and was just crazy quick. Um, apparently, all the beat reporters love him there. Uh, they said he's really been explosive and uh, eye-popping uh, there in these uh, early practices and his teammates and coaching staff also have really uh, been impressed, reportedly, uh, with. Uh, I, I always confuse his name because I think it's, I think it's Yakeem Grant, but it's spelled J A K E E M Grant. But uh, but again, uh, one of these. I mean, you want to talk about deep sleeper? He's extremely deep sleeper. I, I, they want to have him as a kick returner, special teams guy first. But right now, uh, apparently, he is just absolutely. Um, blowing the top off in terms of being impressive with his speed. So uh, one of those guys that I, I did want to keep an eye on, and again, he's been earning high praise uh, from the coaching he's, staff. He's a running back? Uh, no, no, he's a wide receiver. Okay. Little guy. I would imagine he's probably going to you know, be a, a kick returner early on. I mean, yes. He's a 5'6", 161. He is not a right. big guy. Right. No. They, they're pretty loaded at wide receiver. They are. Yeah, you know, you think about Jarvis Landry and uh, Devontae Parker on the outside. And Neontae yeah. Carew and Kenny Stills. Right. Jordan right. Cameron. Yeah, I'm not worried about Kenny Stills. <laughs> he's going to eat He's gonna eat a few targets. Carew's interesting, though. Carew is interesting, though. All right, let's move on. Uh, let's talk about top ten stats that will not be repeated. In 2016, it's an article that uh, the great Michael Fabiano wrote. Uh, you can find it right now, NFL.com slash fantasy. Oh, by the way, NFL.com slash draft kit if you want to find all that great information. Um, got lots of stuff on there. I mean, what do we got on there, Wiz? We got uh, – we, uh, well, we keep adding stuff. So last podcast, we talked a little bit about the red zone studies. There you go. One for the NFC and the That's AFC. what I was looking for. Franchise came back with a banger, broke down all 32 backfields. It is a beefy read. What a very, very good read. If Love you're it. curious about what's going on in any backfield with starters, backups, running backs by a committee, check that out. Of course, we got sleepers, busts, bargains, breakouts, there you go. deep sleepers, everything. You can do mock drafts there. And while you're there, sign up, sign up to play. Give me some it's, of that. It's free, guys. It's fun. Give me some of that. Uh, you can do mock drafts as well right now today, NFL.com slash fantasy. Sign up your team, sign up your league. Uh, who doesn't like to do mock drafts right now? Love mock drafts. Come on. Come on. Gotta like start, I got to start doing more. Come on. You yeah. like the mock drafts? Do it. NFL.com slash fantasy. Sign up your team. Sign up your league. Do those mock drafts today. All right. So oh, again, wait. By the way, yeah. we launched a Facebook page. Oh, my God. How did That's I right. forget? How did we forget that? Welcome to 2016. Facebook.com slash NFL fantasy. <laughs> we got the shadowy league figures to approve it. Uh, Mike Marcus said NFL or Facebook.com slash NFL fantasy. We're going to be getting lots of stuff on there. Good video content from right. NFL now. Once fantasy right. live comes back, we'll have clips from there. There you go. Behind the scenes stuff, our articles, good stat boards and information. Basically like if you're on Facebook or, you know, 
your friends and family are on too, get them to like the page because it's going to be a great spot all throughout the season to get all of our great fantasy content to help you win your league. I think they finally they finally gave in. They said, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna give these guys a, a Facebook because that's where everyone. I mean, we make fun of it for being an old person platform, but it's still where everyone. My, my grandmother is it's on Facebook. Still where everybody. So is. It's still where everyone's at. Move to where the food is. That's what we're doing. <laughs> All right, let's talk about ta- uh, ten stats according to Michael Fabiano that will not be repeated. Cam Newton, top of the list there. He had three hundred and eighty nine fantasy points last year. He was it was just. Remarkable season. It was just stupid. I believe it was 45 total touchdowns. 45 total. First quarterback ever to have 35 passing, right. 10 rushing. Although I think the, the the probably the list of quarterbacks with 10 rushing touchdowns is probably pretty short. It's fairly it's fairly short. Yeah. So there you go. So 35. Is, did Vic ever have passing. 10, or is it? Well, I guess somebody from way back in the day might have had 10, but like, I that assume. list is probably mostly just Cam. Yeah. <laughs> Cam, and then Cam again. Yeah, I don't know what that list would be. Um, Steve Young, maybe? I'll find I'm, out. I'm, 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 I'm kind of looking. But My internet continue. is slow right now. Continue. I'll get there okay. in a sec. All right. So 389 fantasy points for Cam Newton, which is just, I mean, that's just silly. It's just silly how many points that is. If you don't follow total points, I get it. That's cool. You know, season-long leagues, you know, it's kind of a – it's still season-long, but it is a week-to-week uh, affair. I get it. Uh, Cam Newton, though, I mean, if you really think about what he was able to do last year, it's just ridiculous. Uh, 320 for for a quarterback is pretty good. 350, now we're starting to push special. So 390 is just like – you're like, well, Okay. All it's right. insane. And this is one where I, I'm on board with Fabs on this one just because the Panthers scored touchdowns at such a prolific rate right. last year. Like It was a historically great rate. And if right. my internet hadn't just crapped out on me, uh, Firefox completely stopped working. Oh, great. There's a great article. Thanks, um, Firefox. There's a great article by uh, J.J. Zacharyson that he did, uh, I believe, for Number Fire looking at um, touchdown percentages for quarterbacks and how that can hint at regression. And part of that, art, part of that discussion was for Cam. And it's not to say that Cam's going to have a bad year by any stretch last year, but he's just probably not going to s- score as frequently next year. So he's going to he's going to dip a little bit. You, he's still going to be one of the highest scoring quarterbacks in fantasy, no doubt. But you're not going to see 390 points again. I would uh, I would not believe that would be the case. That's a hell of a lot of points. Um, another one. How about Devontae Freeman's 14 total touchdowns? Uh, that's yeah, I thought that's a lot. I mean, one and, and Fabs actually wrote the, a piece that comes out on Tuesday uh, about. T- you mean today? Today. Well, I figure if somebody's listening to it on not Tuesday, that's true. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, basically the the premise of it being looking at running backs who scored double digit touchdowns for the first time in their career and how they follow that up. And, and but look, scoring double digit touchdowns in and of itself is a pretty amazing feat in a oh, season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So to do it a second time is really, really hard. But, of course, you know, for Freeman, you add to the fact that we've talked about this. He is one of the biggest question marks in fantasy right now just because. And he's still going late first, early second. That's what I don't get. Because he's, I mean, he's a top line back, and you know that the potential is there for him to do big things. But we don't have any clear idea of how the Falcons are going to deploy their running backs this year. How much are we going to see Tevin Coleman, you know, remembering, of course, that Freeman a lot of his fantasy production came in bunches last year, and if he doesn't do that, then you're, you're going to be kind of stuck. So the idea of him getting 14 total touchdowns, it does seem like a long shot this year. It's it's easy to forget, too, that Tevin Coleman was a starter, I think, for the first two games. He was. Until he got hurt last he was. year. And then you're 100% right. Freeman broke out in week three, and it was the position battle all camp. They both had hamstring injuries. And Tevin Coleman started the season as the lead back there. He broke his ribs in the middle right. of game three right. and had to miss a couple. And that's where Devontae Freeman just absolutely broke out in a big-time way. Right. And I think this year it might be more of a one-two punch committee, maybe like a 60-40 split between Freeman and Coleman. Because Coleman is talented. It's just He was a rookie been, last year, too. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, it, again, I, I think if you are saying – if you're one of those people that says, well, last year we didn't see that, it's like, listen, man, last year was last year. Um, th- this is a regime that drafted Tevin Coleman. They like Tevin Coleman. Um, if you think about what he does well in terms of a skill set, uh, he's he's a he's a one-cut runner. This is a one-cut running system. Right. Um, he ran for Tevin Coleman, did 2,000 yards in Indiana 
in a similar type system. This guy's got the skills, um, and he's definitely got the athletic profile to eat into Devontae Freeman's workload. There's no question about it. Um, as a matter of fact, the reason I think Devontae Freeman, not only we talk about Tevin Coleman, but if this is a coaching staff that truly does like to have a quote-unquote featured back, what happens if Tevin Coleman wins that job? That's super scary. Yep. That is super-duper scary. For sure. Uh, Doug Martin, 1,400 rushing yards last year. Does he repeat? Michael Fabiana says no. I think Doug Martin can do it again. I'm on board with Doug 1,400 Martin. rushing? Why not? Why not? Ugh. He looked amazing last year, and, yeah, he'll lose some volume to Ugh. Charles Sims, who will work working on third downs. And That's whatnot. true. Um I don't know. The last I, two, st- uh, I, I'm I'm with Franchise in this. I think he can get back to his 1,400 rushing yards because he is the f- superior between the tackles runner. And in his last two, his rookie year in 2015, he averaged about 300 carries a year between those two. Even right. last year, he had 288 attempts. Right. Like they used Charles Sim in the passing game. They used Doug Martin on the ground. 4.9 rushing. That's pretty good. Yeah. And you think if Jameis takes a, takes a step and can keep defenses more honest and right. the field a little more, could open things up for, for Doug to get through there. That's, that's still a lot of touches, though, no? It is. I, but, I, yeah, this is one. I'm, I think I'm with these guys. This isn't a guarantee to me that he won't repeat this. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. looked like a different guy, a different running back than we saw the years before when he had injuries and stuff, but – he, d- he, he, he did get he did get paid, but they also didn't pay him all that money to feed the ball to Charles. I mean, look, true. I, I said two years ago that true, true. The problem with Doug Martin wasn't necessarily Doug Martin, and then as long as they continue to upgrade that offensive line and do some better things there, I think he'll be okay. Well, here's the thing: uh, the argue against obviously is that in 2014, in 11 games, he ran for 494 yards, 494. In 2013, in six games, um, he ran for 456. Uh, in both of those years, he averaged, you know, less than three point. He had three point six and three point seven yards per carry. Not great, not great at all. Um, and that's the argument against is that he's just such an inconsistent player. Now, when he plays well, you guys are right. Absolutely, this dude's yeah. a beast. But he played, oh, go ahead. Franchise. He played well for an entire season last year. So he did. What makes you think that he's just gonna? not play well. And he was banged up in 2013 yeah. and 2014. Yeah. Well, I think that's I think the, but isn't that isn't that a question mark too? I think the, that's as to whether or not he's going to he's a guy that can stay healthy? Yeah, I mean that's the biggest question mark. Although, you know, I, I feel like the more we talk about these guys, um I feel like that that sentence applies to everyone in the National Football League. I think more so than than in previous you know, years. I I don't know, but uh I guess I can't worry about that. I mean, you're drafting Doug Martin with the assumption that he's going to be there and then if he's not, then you 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 make do. Uh, 1,400 yards and six touch, rushing touchdowns, one receiving touchdown last year. Can he – I know it sounds weird to say because he had a great year last year. Can yeah. he break out? If, I mean, if he finds his way into the end zone a few more times, maybe. But For I think sure. we saw we saw Doug Martin break out in his rookie year, so it's more of just him getting back to that level. But even if he's not, he's still a great you know, fringe RB1, high, high RB2 based on the volume of carries he'll get alone. There's he's to me he's one of those wide variance guys, man. He really is. I think he's got the talent level, and he's in an offense where he could he could break out for sixteen hundred total and twelve total touchdowns and just be a beast. Yeah, and just be an absolute stud. Or he could get banged up, run for eight hundred, nine hundred yards, and get five or six scores and just absolutely crush your fantasy team. Uh, he's one of those guys, man. Uh, I don't know what to do with him, and I and I think that wide variance is why he's uh, fallen where he has. Uh, in drafts. All right, how about Allen Robinson? 14 touchdowns last year. Can he get there again? Uh, I think he can. Um, Let's get Matt Harmon on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Does he think that Allen Robinson... It's it's, it's a huge number, I'm not going to lie. But I think with the way he and Bortles show that they can work together, um, and then just his flat-out playmaking ability... Right. um, Right. I, I I, I think this one... Is is difficult, but not impossible. I, I think this is something that could possibly happen this year. Franchise? Uh, I think he's due for a little bit of regression. They have Chris Ivory now, who might be a, uh, you know, a go-to guy in red zone situations where the Jaguars were passing a lot in the red zone last year. Um, I mean, he's he's got all the talent in the world. He's a big guy. He's a, he's a red zone threat himself, but yeah. I think 14 is – a really high number, maybe somewhere more around 10, 12 range. For yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the boat on this. I think he'll still get 
at or around double digit touchdowns. 14 is just a tough number to repeat. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, I'm not sure. I think my biggest question mark really for Allen Robinson is the fact that the Jacksonville defense got a lot better this year. They got a lot better this year. Right. Um, And to me, that should, right? Like, that will lead to some games where they run the ball a little bit more. It means not not as much time for garbage time. Right. And that's where we saw, I mean, we saw a lot. Right. We saw a lot of garbage time scoring. Um, uh, one one quick note on Robinson yeah. too. Uh, there's a uh, Rich Rebar did a good good work uh, on the red zone study as well for Roto World, and he looked at how frequently guys got targeted from the ten yard line and in. Okay. Uh, Robinson was targeted 18 times in that space. Wow. Which going down, I believe, was the most in the league. Yes. So that's also why they brought in Chris Ivory because they were atrocious at running the ball close to the goal line last year. They were, year. right. Uh, Yeldon. Yeldon was uh, Gerhard, uh, not good. Um, Denard Robinson. Denard Robinson. None of them did exceptionally well. So yep. well, I think you're right, Franchise. The presence of Chris Ivory could could take a little chunk out of uh, Robinson's touchdown total. Allen Robinson tied for the league lead in reception touchdowns last year with 14. Tied Doug Baldwin. And Brandon Marshall, just to give you an idea of where those 14 touchdowns, what that means. All right, how about Doug Doug Baldwin also with 14 touchdowns? Does he get there? Speaking of? Not a chance. No. Not a chance. I I, I love Doug Baldwin this year. I think he's still going to have a good season and be a great value. He's, He's just not scoring 14 touchdowns. I, I would agree with that. I, but, but if you could get 12 over the course of a season, you take that in a heartbeat, no? I don't know that he gets 12. Oh, I mean, come on, guys. No, no, no. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I say I say 9, maybe 10 okay. for Baldwin this year. I mean, I don't think he falls off a cliff. But, right. um, yeah, I, I, I think double, like 10, I think, is his ceiling this year for me. That's not, bad. that's not bad. That's not bad at all. Between weeks 12 and 16, he scored 11 touchdowns. <laughs> right. So, yeah. but by <laughs> that point in the season, it's already too late anyway. Like, most people are out of their fantasy leagues anyway by that season. So, it's like up until that point, he only had three. I would love to take a poll, by the but, way, of all the people who dropped Doug Baldwin after like week four or five oh yeah, he, and oh yeah. saw him blow up on oh yeah. someone else's roster. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what? That might be a fun piece to write, not to get uh, to inside baseball here with people for our content plan, but like. The, fan, the the players that people dropped or traded that then totally burned them because uh, Devonta Freeman was also one of those people. I think when Kevin Coleman oh, won that yeah. starting job and then yeah, I think Matthew Barry did a whole article on that, like all the tweets he found of people being like, "This guy in my league dropped Devonta Freeman in week three for this player." Boom. And then, yeah. Um. Yeah. Look, it, it, I don't think he gets a 14 total touchdowns. He had what, uh, 1069 in terms of receiving yards and 14 touchdowns. Doug Baldwin did, but you know, you talk about okay, he he had that you know crazy, uh, literally Jerry Rice type uh, run late in the season. I get it. Yeah. Uh, is he going to do that? No. But I think what people kind of forget though is that the offense significantly changed during that time too. Yes. Um, it went from uh, mostly a running-based offense to then basically just saying, you know what, man, Russell, go get it. Uh, Marshawn Lynch was hurt. Thomas Rawls was hurt. Jimmy Graham was hurt. And they put the ball in Russell's hands and said, hey, kid, just go out there and do your thing. I will say that there is the makings of something similar to that early in the season this year for the Seahawks because Rawls still dinged up. We don't know when Rawls is coming back. No we Marshawn. certainly don't know when Jimmy Graham's going to be back. No Marshawn Lynch. That's right. Um, you know, and CJ Prosize, who they love and who Pete Carroll raves about on a you know, semi-daily basis, I mean, a lot of what he does is work as a pass catcher. I mean, he will right. run the ball a little bit, but he will be, I think, a pass catcher out of the backfield. So there is certainly a chance that we could see Russell Wilson, especially early in the year, uh, throw the ball around the yard, and, and maybe guys like Baldwin and, and Tyler Lockett and Jermaine, Jermaine Curse uh, have some early season fantasy value. And that's why I'm really high on Doug Baldwin. I, look, I get it. For the most part of his career, he's absolutely disappointed. But anyone who's listened to me knows I'm high on this duo. Like Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin, I'm in. I'm all in because of what you just said, Marcus. There's a lot of, like, a, a lot of injured pieces going into 2016 for the Seahawks, and when they asked Russell to make plays, he was making plays to who? To Doug Baldwin. Yeah. But and, the, and they're, the, they're, they're the guys that had that chemistry going. But I think a bigger question is where would you draft him? He's I think his ADP is like late round five right now. I'll take in him a there. Team. Yeah. yeah, I'll take him there in, in, would, in late round five, I think round six. too early sure. for me for a question mark. Where would you take him? Seven? Maybe like seven or eight. Yeah. Seven or eight? Yeah. All right. 
I mean, I think that's fair. I'm, I'm a high. I, I think I'm higher on him than most folks. I get it. Cool. But yeah, I'll take him there. I'll take him there if he's in round six. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the way the the way the drafts are shaping up, by the way, um, and I know you wrote about this too, Gilhart. Is I feel much more comfortable taking running backs early, actually. Yeah, that was in my draft strategy, and I've actually seen a couple other people have been uh, have been writing about this as well in the community that uh, zero wide receiver might be the the higher upside way to go now. What? <laughs> more? Well, well, I mean, what? I've, I've actually well, seen it. I've seen I, it as well. And the reason is I wrote about it too is that 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 tier of like very good wide receivers like the Doug Baldwin's of the world and now Randall Cobb and even yeah. guys like. Emmanuel Sanders is falling late, and Michael Floyd, John Brown, that whole crew. Yeah, you can take a couple of elite running backs early, and then just stock up on really good wide receivers yeah. and and play and play matchups with those guys. You don't know, get four or five wide receiver twos and rotate them in and use them in your flex, and you've got two, two or three elite running backs off the top. It's interesting because there's there's people that go both ways. Yeah, I think it also depends on where you are in the draft. Because yeah. If you're early, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. If you're at out. the top, you yeah. want one of those elite wide receivers. Yeah, you got to get them. But if you're you sitting it. if you're sitting at the turn and looking at maybe getting uh, let's you know, say you're, let's say you're sitting there at six, at six even. You could, I, you know. I think I I think with all the elite wide receivers are going to be off the board at that point at six. If you know if someone like DeAndre Hopkins falls to you at six, okay, you you I think you take him. Maybe. Um, but if it's like, let's say the the choices are David Johnson or DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I think that, I think you take David Johnson <laughs> coming back around two. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think you're picking at the middle around two again. Jamal Charles could be there. Yeah, Lamar Miller might fall to you there. I don't mind it, and I, I think th- people are scared. I don't mind it. People are scared of because of what happened last year with all the running back injuries. But right. that, that was an anomaly. Like, it was usually running backs are the most consistent position in terms of week in week out double digit fantasy production. You know. All right. Uh, does Larry Fitzgerald, who saw a career resurgence last year, uh, does he get to 171 fantasy points again? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I love Larry Fitz. I think he's going to have a role in this offense still. But right. uh, as, as we saw it numerous times last year, and our friend Matt Harmon even tweeted it, when all three wide receivers were healthy, Floyd, Brown, and Fitzgerald, Floyd and Brown were leading the charge. Larry the Fitz last year, okay. 109 receptions, 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns. That is amazing. He had five touchdowns in his first three games. I mean, I, I, I think this is the year of Michael Floyd. I think I think this is the year we see Michael Floyd take a big step forward. For reals this time, guys. For reals this time. <laughs> I mean, you look at the way he finished. I mean, let's remember, he started last year when he had, like, dislocated fingers yeah, or something like that. His, his hand was messed yeah, up. Yeah, so, like, it yeah. took him a while to get going. But late in the year – he was that dude, and yeah. I think I think he's gonna be that guy this year. I mean, I, I I look at I look at Fitzgerald, and I'm with Gelhar. I mean, the dude's been great for a long time. It's hard not to love him, but yeah, uh, super good uh, pro. It, it just nothing but a professional. I mean, look, dude's a Hall of Famer. Um, oh yeah, oh, but yeah. you know, eventually it, it it comes to an end. I mean, I think I look and, and you know, earmuffs, Gelhar. I mean, like you look at what he did against the, the Packers in the playoffs. But I think, a, I think a lot of that, though, was because... Beast in them. A lot of that was because... Hey, we have to start with the Warriors, all right? You yeah, gotta, yeah. <laughs> um, but a lot of that was because they were spending so much time worried about John Brown, Michael Floyd. Right. Um, you know, you, you can't cover everybody. And I so think, Fitzgerald got loose a little Yeah, bit. I think Fitz yeah. is going to have fantasy value, too. He's also still their best option in the red zone. That's where he dominated their, their targets this past year as well. But if you're looking for the upside player, the guy that's going to have a higher weekly ceiling, it's it's Floyd and and John Brown and Fitzgerald might slip down towards you know 140 to 150 fantasy points this year. All right, there you go. All right, let's talk about our own. Um, and again, you can get that whole list uh, online, NFL.com/fantasy. But let's get to some of our own, um, I guess, fantasy stats that we don't believe will be repeated. We'll start with you, Marcus Grant. Uh, well, you know, I said that uh, Allen Robinson, I think, still has a shot potentially at 14 touchdowns or something close to it. Sure. I think Allen Hearns and his 10 touchdowns uh, uh, no. is, is the one that's going to be re- tough to repeat. I mean, he had, was it eight straight weeks, I believe it was, seven or eight straight weeks yeah. with a touchdown it last year. Um, it was insane. I think that's going to be hard to duplicate, especially because, uh, you know, as, as Franchise mentioned, you know, Chris Ivory's there. That will help in the red zone. The other part of it is, I think Julius Thomas is going to be better this year for them. I mean, he was another guy who wasn't healthy coming into the season. Right. Kind of got a slow start, had to kind of build that rapport. And now he's uh, reportedly spent this offseason working a lot with Blake Bortles. 
I think Julius Thomas is going to be a much bigger part of this offense, and I think the guy who's going to suffer as a result is going to be Alan Hearns. Uh, over, under, on games. I'll set the line at 11.5. For Hearns or Thomas? Alan Hearns. Over. Oh, he plays over. I'm going vastly under. <laughs> <laughs> I think he. I think he'll have about nine games. Wow. I think he'll have about nine games. No, he's look, he's a talented guy when he's healthy, man. He's a very talented dude. Deserved every penny of his contract this offseason. Yeah. Uh did he? <laughs> I mean, he had one he had one good year. I don't understand. It doesn't matter. Anyways, regardless. Uh he, he but his injury history is extensive. Not only does it go back into college, it goes back into high school. Um and he's got an extensive injury history. So uh, last year was that year he put it all together. Played a bunch of games, got ten touchdowns, a thousand yards. Good for him. Um, I just worry about his long-term health, and uh, and he's a guy that I am absolutely avoiding um, in redrafts. I, I I like him in DFS. I like him a lot in DFS. It's just in redrafts, I'm avoiding it because I just don't think he can get there again. Uh, franchise, what's up? Uh, I am going with for the stat that would, will not be repeated. Gary Barnage will the Barnyard Dog. I know you love the Barnyard no! Dog, James. I know. I know. No. He's not going to have 1,000 receiving yards this year, though. How dare I think you? That was a little inflated because the Browns had nobody else to throw the ball to. He saw 125 targets, 79 receptions, 1,043 yards, nine touchdowns. Yeah, that was that's a little crazy. That was crazy. He was one of four tight ends last year to get 1,000 yards, and the, the Browns are going to be a different team this year. They have a new coaching staff, new front office. True. Hugh Jackson is there. He's a, he's a run game kind of guy he is but how about Tyler Eifert though bro what about I mean it's like he was heavily utilized yeah you're right he he was heavily utilized but I think that um I think Gary Barnage is just not the 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 he's not that guy he's not that guy he's not that the other big thing is we don't know who the quarterback is going to be yet in Cleveland last year it was Josh McCown Johnny Manziel a couple times RG3 could win that job okay and if he does, is Josh McCown still in the running to win that job? I think he, he is. Because if yep. he does, if he wins that job, I feel a lot better about Gary right, Barnage. right. So I'm kind of putting a little disclaimer on there. Like if 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 McCown wins a job, he obviously has a connection with Barnage. Oh yeah, I, I still big don't, time. I still think a thousand yards is a lot for a tight end. It is. So. It is. Because what did Eifert get to last year? Not near, nowhere near a thousand. Yeah, I mean. A thousand yards. It's a lot for a tight end. It's also a lot for a dude who, before last year, had a combined six hundred. <laughs> yeah, six oh three in six seasons. Okay, so good point. Eifert yeah. had six six hundred fifteen yards. What was that total, Marcus? Six oh three in six seasons. That's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. So I think a lot of people are going to draft Gary Barnage way early this year because of what he did last year, and they're going to be Rob wrong Gron- because of Rob Gronkowski uh, yeah. was your tight end leader in yardage with uh, 1,176. Greg Olson at 1,104. Delaney Walker at 1,088. And then the Barnyard Dog. Right. Just hanging around. If you look back, like, historical, like, over the last few seasons, tight ends that have had 1,000 yards, it's only, like, two or three every season. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. All right, Gilhar, what's up? Uh, my stat that won't be repeated in 2016 is DeAndre Hopkins' 192 targets. Did they throw the ball at anybody else last year? <laughs> I mean, it didn't seem like it. <laughs> or when they did, it would go poorly, and afterwards they were just like, ah, the hell with it, throw it to Nuke. Uh, this offense as a whole should be getting better. They got a stable producer at running back in Lamar Miller now. They have uh, Brock Osweiler under center. We, it remains to be seen how good he's going to be there. But they also picked up more targets. Will Fuller is there. Cecil Shorts took a pay cut to stay. They got Braxton Miller. Word can, I, on, can I talk about that very the, quickly? About what? See, but about the Cecil Shorts pay cut? Yeah. Is it a pay cut if nobody else is willing to pay? Well, he's taking less <laughs> money so he can stay with the team, though. No, I get that. I get that. But that's like, you know, that's like, hey, listen, um, I will – it's almost like like nobody else is going to pay the price, though. Like, he's not taking the pay – he's not taking a pay cut. He's just taking market value. Well, what they'll give him. Right. Right. Yeah, okay. but it's also, it's also job insurance then because he might have to spend some time on the street without any paychecks yeah. before somebody signs him. But right, Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Word on the street, too, is Tyler Urban's going to have a, have a nice little utility role there. Yeah. Right. And that's not Fast. to say DeAndre Hopkins is going to be bad or anything this year. He's still no. a wide receiver one. Right. But his volume should dip. That defense is very good. If the offense isn't turning the ball over as much and plays in more competitive games, they're not going to need to pass as much. So I think 
He'll shoot back down maybe towards the 150, 160 target range, still be ultra productive. But that that level of volume is something we're not going to see again. I mean, I think, too, it's the volume is always nice in terms of a safer floor. I get that part. But, you know, keep in mind, Odell Beckham Jr. had 159 in right. terms of targets. You could do a lot with less targets. If, if they're better targets. If too. they're better targets. If, they're, if the targets are more high quality and they're not just lofting the ball up and saying, go make a play. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be higher quality targets. I mean, guys, I would imagine. guys that were in that target range that I think he might slip back down to. Uh, let's see, you said Beckham, yeah. Allen Robinson had 151, Megatron had a 149, right? Evans 148. So like he can he can do a lot if the targets are are better. It remains to be seen if Brock will give him better targets because he was a little bit of an erratic passer last year right. in Denver. But Bob uh, Bill O'Brien is a good is a good quarterback coach. So so sure. we shall see. Um, you you got to figure they're going to move that ball, right? Lamar Miller there. Got to hope so. Brock Osweiler there. You think they'd be be able to move that ball pretty good? Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, I agree with you, Gilhar. I I think DeAndre Hopkins his targets will go down into that 150 160 range, but uh, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I, I still have him as a you know as maybe the the fourth best wide receiver. I have him uh, as a top ten wideout for sure. I wouldn't take him in the first round because of the the potential dip, but I think he's for sure second round. All right, I'll give him one. How about Mark Ingram? Did you like my note on the rundown that I, I added? Did. <laughs> so much hate. So quick. So much so hate. James's stat was: I asked everybody. I sent out the rundown, which is a Google Doc, and I said, "Everybody, input your your stat for this." And yeah. James, within thirty seconds, instantly came in and said, "Mark Ingram won't get fifty receptions." So then James left yesterday because he had to go, you know, be a dad and stuff. So after he left, I went back into the rundown and wrote next to his his entry: "Surprise, surprise!" in all caps. He had like fifty receptions combined. In his previous four seasons, dude. Like, I don't see it. I really don't see it. I think C.J. Spiller's healthier. I really, truly, oh. honestly believe Bro. Daniel Lasko's going to make an impact oh, on this passing no. game. Yes, oh. I went there. Oh, man. I went there. I went there. Bro. Yeah. What, bro? You said C.J. Spiller just now. I know. <laughs> and I hate C.J. Spiller. <laughs> And I hate C.J. Spiller. Mark I get Ingram it. has improved as a pass catcher. It's something he's working on. <sighs> if he plays a whole season, like he did that in what, 13 games last year, 50 catches? 12. 12 games last year? He's not playing a full season. Okay. So can he do that again in 12 games? Because that's what he's going to play next year. <laughs> can he do 50 yes. catches in 12 games? No. Yes. No, we can't. He absolutely can't. No. I, there's, I, I would say there's no way. I think there's a good chance he, he returns it. He's, he's their featured back now. Spiller's like a giant question mark. Daniel Lasko was a seventh round pick. Like, come on. This is this is, this is <laughs> Um Okay. All right. I mean, each year of his career, he has seen increasing numbers of targets. He's oh, becoming so a bigger part of their passing. Stop. Yeah. Stop I, it with your stats. <laughs> stop it with your stats. Pardon me for letting facts get in the way of a good story. Stop it with your stats. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mark Ingram. I, I don't know, man. Look I, look, I don't know what it is. It's just I watch him play, and I look at the injury history, and I, I'm just not impressed. He's a beast. He's not a beast. He is. He's 27 years old. He's in his running back prime. Um, exactly. Yeah, no, no. I Look, <laughs> look I get it. I, I get the love. I'm just not going to be a guy investing in him. Okay. I know that. I know that right now. I got him. I got him ranked where somewhere somewhere in the 30s, I believe, and that's like way lower than everybody else. So, right. um, I, I know I'm not going to be. And you know, here's the thing that when I'm looking at fantasy football calculator, that his draft price is kind of held steady in that in that uh, mid to late 20s range, which I think is a fair price. I think that's a fair price for. I, I just to me, you know, again, I, I'd love to get him in the in that 30s range. Yeah, but I wouldn't be investing. That's all. That's just me. That's just me. All right. Fair enough. Let's do Daily Daps. You do you, man. All right. Extra, extra, read all about it. This is the Daily Daps and Hook. Give me Daps because I'll be scribbling right. Give me dabbing up Daps about Daps and All right, Daily Dap time. We're going to go to Marcus Grant. What's up? Uh, I'm going to daily the first. I got a daily nap. LeBron James and the Cavs and you know the city of Cleveland. I mean, obviously they had been kind of a, a, a pro sports punchline for a long time because you know they hadn't won anything since Noah built an ark. Um, 
But hey, you know what? They went out and they earned it with a phenomenal performance. So you know, it's like them. it's like one tortured fan base to to another, though, right? Because like the Warriors, the Dubs had been sitting there forever. It'd been pretty bad without a. a it had uh, been forty years, right, between their championships, and they were so bad in between. So, uh, yeah, daps. So, so daps to them. Uh, also, daps to the internet, just because um, you know. The latest in uh, the internet always wins came this morning. I don't know if you saw uh, Good Morning America is trying to get in on this whole social thing. And so they asked a question about whether or not uh, the LeBron crying, you know, after winning the championship could be the next meme to go up there with crying Jordan and something called tea lizard. Um, you know it as Kermit the Frog sipping his tea. Ah. They referred to it as hashtag tea lizard, to which the internet immediately sprung into action and began criticizing tea lizard to the point that there's even a tea lizard Twitter account now. Oh my goodness! Oh, that um, stuff cut takes seconds. It takes yeah. seconds. I mean, <laughs> literally within within an hour, there was a cottage industry built around mocking tea lizard. <laughs> Um, again, the internet always wins. So uh, they wait, need that. why would GMA? Why did they call it? Tealism. Because they probably have, you know, some AARP person pretending to be a millennial running their social media accounts. Do you think I they had know. Morley Winograd? Morley Winograd, this? millennial experts. What perhaps. was he from, by the way? Because that was one of my favorite things. That you know, I don't know. He's, I think he's, uh, he's kind of been one of those experts. By the way, we're talking, if you go look up Google Morley Winograd, he is um, a man who appears to be in his mid-60s who uh, is is – titled Millennial Expert, and I think he's kind of one of those experts for hire that goes on. Yeah, he pops up on like 60 Minutes and stuff, and this guy looks like... (laughs) That's great. He just looks like the type of person you think would be would consider themselves a quote-unquote millennial Millennial expert. expert. Yeah, perfect. I love it. T-Lizard. T-Lizard. I mean, why make the hashtag if you don't even know what it is? I mean, Kermit the Frog, his name, his what it's he is. Kermit the Frog. Frog. <laughs> he, is a frog. <laughs> he is one of the most iconic characters in entertainment worldwide. Like, been around. Everyone knows years. Kermit the Frog. Who is this uh, Kermit the Lizard? Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. It's a lizard, no? Conspiracy theory. Okay. They knew it was Kermit the whole time. They okay. just did tea lizard because they to knew get people it would talking. Be oh. Oh. Again, the internet always Strong. wins. Next level. Strong the internet could have just gotten pwned here. Media for GMA. I'm sticking with that. I like okay. it. All right. I like, I like it, it now. That's I like my theory. it. Wiz, that's that's sharp. I like next. That's next level. It's taking it. Just peeling back the layers. I do. You know what? You need to quit this job. You need to write for Game of Thrones. There we go. <laughs> You're ready. I'm. I'm. Call me up, guys. I'll come right <laughs> the next season. All right, Kellar, give me a, a daily dab. Uh, first one, quick. Uh, this weekend, Dean Ambrose was uh won Money in the Bank at uh, the WWE pay per view, which gives him a contract that he can turn in for a shot at a title, and he turned it in that night after Seth Rollins won the title from Roman Reigns, and then he won the title. So it was a wild turn of events. All three former members of the Shield held the title at one point in one pay per view. Which was madness, and uh, it's good for Dean Ambrose. It was pretty exciting. I gotta say, you are the most unlikely pro wrestling fan. I would never was as a kid, but I lived with a huge pro wrestling fan, so he would watch pay per views, and I was like, oh, okay. Like Adam Rank always watches these, and shoot shoot the breeze with him at work, and it's just fun. So it was hot as hell, as we mentioned this weekend. Yeah. And uh, I had AC. My buddy's AC was broken. I was like, hey, if you want to come over and watch Money in the Bank, like let's do it. We watched Money in the Bank on one TV. NBA Finals on the other, okay. and then we turned off the extra TV when they were done and put on Game of Thrones. Because here's the thing. You read books. I do read books. Like I also read comics. Like, reading <laughs> books and pro wrestling just doesn't... I mean, I'm, a, I'm a Renaissance man, Jay. What can I say? I have a lot of interest. People read books about pro wrestling. What about that? That's true. That's also true. So Mind blown. Wanted, yes. to give a quick, wanted to give a quick shout-out to that. And okay. then the bigger one, though... By the time many people listen to this, uh, it could be extremely sad for the U.S. men's national team in the Copa America tournament. Okay. But they have made it to the semifinals. They're taking on Argentina tonight. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be I cheering. believe that we will win. I believe, I that, believe we that we will win. Uh, do they have a chance, or is are they heavy underdogs? Some? They, uh, are, they are an underdog. Argentina's probably the favorite to win the tournament. Um, they they got, have. They've got this dude named Messi who, look, here's the thing about it. He's good. <laughs> he is extremely good at the soccering. So what else gonna, they got on their squad? They got that Suarez dude. It's gonna be an uphill battle, and uh, I'm just I'm pulling for pulling for our boys, okay. and I'm just I'm proud of them for how far they made it. Uh, if they lose, they'll go to the third place Who's, game. Who is good on U.S. soccer? 
Uh, Michael Bradley's good. Clint, Clint, Clint Dempsey. Dempsey is good. <laughs> Clint Dempsey. Okay. Right. We've got we've got some up and comers and we got some some, some solid guys. There's some young talent Look, on this. You squad. guys laugh. I I get it. I don't know anything about soccer. There's some yeah. young talent on this team. So um, I could get crying Jordan as soon as tomorrow if the U.S. goes out. But I mean, the whole world, the whole country should get crying Jordan for right. that. But um, <laughs> I'm rooting for him, and I'm I'm happy daily daps to them for making it as far as they did. All right, there you go. Uh, I will give a daily dap to a hip hop group I. I uh, just ran across. Um, I don't know if it's a group or if it's a guy. I don't know what it is, but they're called Goodbye Tomorrow. Um, the rapper is anonymous, so they're from Chicago. Uh, they got great. Uh, they've got a great sound. It's very current, um, but I don't know. It's just there's something very mysterious about this group, Goodbye Tomorrow. I love their music. They've got uh, their entire uh, one of their albums on uh, SoundCloud. So if you wanted to go check it out, uh, it's pretty good. Um, so I do, uh, if you're into hip-hop at all, I give them a strong encouragement. They released their album in 2015 um, to almost no fanfare whatsoever. Um, but, man, they're they're doing their thing. The uh, Rolling Stones and, and all the hip-hop blogs and stuff have kept an eye on them and, and, and written some good pieces about them. But, uh, but, yeah, they got some good music out there, man. Goodbye Tomorrow is that group. And my other one, um, right now what is hot on the Internet is, is shoe roasting. Shoe Pe- roasting. Oh. People yeah. roasting people's uh, athletes' shoes. You mean beyond the what are those? Right, 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 right. But like, like taking elongated disses <laughs> at like the Currys. You know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, and the guy who's put these videos out, one of the guys who's been putting these videos out on YouTube, uh, I would definitely give him a uh, an endorsement here. It's, it's Starks TV One. So again, look for him on YouTube. Starks TV One Shoe Roast, and but regardless, anyways, the, the, if you look up shoe roasting on Twitter, it's amazing. Like like uh, like I saw Steph Curry's shoes be called the Orthopedic Sevens, right? Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> it's not wrong. Uh, the 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 Air Dads Fives, that's not bad. Uh, but uh, Starks TV One Shoe Roasting, oh, I just I mean, you talk about LOLing. I was on the ground. This guy had me in tears. This guy was good. So Starks TV one on YouTube and goodbye tomorrow as your hip hop group. All right, franchise, what's up? All right, my daily dap today is this show I've been watching on the History Channel called Alone. It's okay. a survival reality show. Okay. And I know there's a lot of these out there. There you, are. You have your Survivor Man, yes. your Man vs. Wild, your Naked and Afraid. Yes. This blows all of those out of the water. Whoa. So let me give you the premise. Okay. They put 10 people... Uh, the location is Vancouver Island, which is this big big island up in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Brutal, brutal. Okay. They put 10 people on this island, like, a few miles apart from each other by themselves. No camera crews. They give them each, like, three or four GoPros and a couple okay. tripods. They have to set up camp, you know, find food, and record themselves during this struggle. And there's no time limit. It's just if you're the last person to tap out, you win $500,000. What? So there's like people are dealing with bears. There's a guy whose first campsite was located like on a swamp ground. So like overnight water just rose up from the ground and his whole campsite got wet and he had to move. And So here, here's my question. Can you like raid other people's camps? That's what, we, <laughs> that's what we were talking about. What if you trek five miles down and the dude who tapped out who built a nice camp, you're just like, oh, cool. There's like a kitchen here. And Commandeer that? I mean, Can you? So, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that they've run into that yet. Yeah, I've got a hostile takeover of someone. <laughs> but can they weaponize themselves? These I mean, people are survival experts, and some of the stuff they do is insane. This guy's building a canoe out of like cedar, like by hand. Nice. They've been on this island now for 28 days or something, almost a month. And I think there's three episodes left in the season, and there's still five people left. And so they still they need to get they need to find food, they need to find yeah. water, they need to find shelter. Yeah, they do and all they, the and they're allowed to bring. There's this whole list on history.com that says the stuff they're allowed to bring. They can bring like saws and axes and cooking gear and tarps for shelter and sleeping. Oh, okay, got it. So it's not just totally. You can no. bring some tools with you. Yeah, you can bring a bunch of tools, but the biggest hurdle, like. These people are really good at surviving and finding food and stuff, but the biggest hurdle they're running into after being there for so long is the mental part of actually being alone. That's true. Okay. And people, this one dude who was, like, really good at surviving has already tapped out because he's like, I I feel like I'm doing nothing and wasting my life here. Because <laughs> he's by himself. He couldn't handle being by himself. He, he didn't know, like, what it was for. That's true. Like, dude, it's for $500,000. Just stick it out. 
Uh, the other thing too is like, wouldn't it be a complete mind f to like be like, I wonder how many people are left? Yes, that would suck for sure. Like you're just sitting there, you're like, I don't even. Am I? It's been like 27 days. Maybe there's 10 people left. I don't want to keep doing this. This yeah, sucks. Exactly. That's, so, all right. That's it's, you should watch it. DVR'd. It's in its second season. So. All right. That's going to do it for us today. For the franchise, MG, my guy, Marcus Grant, the WizKid from Wisconsin. I'm James Coe. NFL.com slash draft kit. Go check it out. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.